0: End to End is back, episode number 24, recorded on March 28th, 2020, Saturday, we're still recording on Saturdays, even though we've got nothing to do in our lives right now. And if you couldn't tell by the title, we have a special guest here on today's episode, Flager found him, Flager done the digging, and he done his research on Mike Weaver. So we're going to have him in a couple minutes on, and uh, we're going to talk about his hockey career, his off-ice career, and his NHL career. So boys, how are you, uh, are you guys excited for this one?
1: Very excited. Mike Weaver is a very interesting person. His his path to the NHL was a little bit different than the typical path that most players take. Uh for example, he went undrafted. We'll touch on that in the interview. Um and now that he's retired in the NHL, or from the NHL rather, uh, he's actually doing some pretty interesting things. So we'll touch on that in the interview too.
2: Yeah, I'm really excited as well. This is definitely our biggest guest we've had on end to end, and it's just like during these tough times we we're we were able to reach out to Mike and it's great that he accepted to have an interview with us. So I'm really excited for that.
0: Oh, I know. I know. I know Joe's really excited for this one because a uh, former Hab here we got on. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get too excited, Joe. All right. Don't get too excited. I'll be professional, but oh, yeah, I'll be professional. Okay. Yeah. But we got a big guest here for today. Yeah, he's played on six NHL teams. Uh, Mike Weaver was a defensive defenseman back in the day and you know I, I still remember that he scored versus Boston in game two of the 2014 Stanley Cup final so yeah. I'm hoping to ask about that but we got a lot of questions for him today yeah I guess let's get right into the intro flagger and let's introduce this guy
1: ladies and gentlemen today on end to end we'd like to welcome a special guest he went on to play professional hockey for a total of 15 years after graduating on a full scholarship from Michigan State University where he played four seasons in college as a Spartan in the Central Collegiate Hockey Association he is one of three players to have received the CCHA's Best Defensive Defenseman Award two times in, a cons- in consecutive seasons, in 1998-99 season and the 99 2000 season. Coming out of college after going undrafted, he managed to put a lengthy 13-year career together in the National Hockey League, playing 633 games total with six different teams, including the Atlanta Thrashers, Los Angeles Kings, Vancouver Canucks, St. Louis Blues, Florida Panthers, and Montreal Canadiens. Outside of professional hockey, he founded a hockey school named Defense First with his college teammate, John Insana, where he teaches young hockey players the defensive aspect of hockey. After retiring from the NHL in 2015, Mike went on to put his telecommunications degree with a minor in virtual reality, software development, and web design to use, and he developed a web application for hockey coaches called Them we'd like to welcome NHL alumni and former hockey puck eater, Mr. Mike Weaver.
3: Awesome, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, was that good enough? Was that intro good enough
3: for you? Oh, <laughs> I the, hope only, that lived the up. only thing better would be uh, a Dream Weaver uh, sound uh, background. <laughs>
1: we we could do that for we you. We could edit course. that in for you for sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could do that. Um, yeah, so thank you very much for coming on, and... Uh, Yeah, so we have a bunch of different things to talk about uh, with you right now. So let's get her going. Tell us uh, all the way back where you uh, started in your pro career, kind of all started. You got drafted to Guelph in the seventh round of the 1995 OHL draft, but decided to continue playing Junior A instead of going to the OHL to maintain eligibility to receive a college scholarship. Uh, Did you ever have an intention to go the other way and play in the OHL? And how difficult was that decision for you in that time?
3: Well, back then, it was uh, basically the, the path to the NHL was the OHL. And there was a few players went scholarship route. Uh, but for, for the most part, it was a tougher route. I, I basically, the odds of me making it to the NHL were pretty slim. Me, especially back then with uh, me being a 5'9 defensive defenseman, and so it made more sense i was more focused on education and and using hockey because a lot of times hockey uses the player but Mm -hmm. i was going to use hockey to get a full scholarship and, and really focus on my education and even then i i knew that i would be older and stronger and and smarter as a player uh coming out of university so uh the best is when I went to school. I met some amazing. It was best four years of my life. Phenomenal. Uh, Michigan State was a great place to go. I, I ended up um, choosing that. It was that between that and Miami of Ohio. I ended up going on two uh, visits, which I, I suggest that anybody that's able to go on to an official visit with the university is it's amazing. I ended up picking Michigan State because it's it, it was a lot closer for my parents to make it to the games. My dad, in four years, missed uh, I think it was like four or five games in the four years, and we're averaging right in around thirty games a year. So his closest trip was was four hours away, and uh, it was it was more his scholarship than mine. He he ended up meet, meeting some amazing people there, and and uh, he came up every weekend and it was uh he earned the nickname dance Fever weaver so it's he was a big part of my his it's funny his underwear is actually hanging up in a bar <laughs> in alaska because alaska fairbanks was in our division so he even flew up to alaska and it's signed by uh, ron mason hmm. uh, the former uh michigan state head coach uh, recently passed uh so it's funny it's he, he was a big part of my career and, and with every pro player, uh, it takes uh, an amazing um, tandem of parents that drive you around. Um, so I ended up getting a tele- telecommunication degree, minor in virtual reality, software development, web design, like you said. And it was uh, something that I really loved that I did that because now at some point whether you play in one game in the nhl or 633 games like myself you're going to have to fall back on education and it's something that i really love that my parents were kind of forcing the issue but i made the right decision in the end
1: that's great that you you thought of education first i think most athletes professional athletes don't necessarily think of Their life after the game away from the game so that's great that you you thought of your future even ahead of uh, your pro hockey career um and i was looking at a list of ccha best defensive defensemen uh, the players that won the award and from 1996 all the way to 2001 there were three of you at michigan state that ended up winning the award Uh, the others were tyler Harleton and andrew hutchinson so that that obviously shows that you guys were you had some great players there at Michigan State.
3: Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. There are pictures of, because we're a very defensive school, um, our, just our team, just the, the structure that Ron Mason had his play. Um, University of Michigan down the road, uh, the Wolverines, they were a very offensive team. So the Spartans for us were very, uh, defensive uh, which was pretty crazy there at some point there there was a couple pictures taken that there's all five of us uh, on the ice trying to block that shot coming from the point and uh, even a couple years after I left um, uh, Ryan Miller came through there too so we, we've had some amazing players that that have come through Michigan State and it was just such an amazing experience to really focus on um, working out, uh, education, and um, gaining knowledge in the the hockey world. I'm I'm telling you, most players, if they were to look back at their route to the NHL or trying to make the NHL, I'm going to say if they were to look back at it, they would have chose the uh, university route uh, again, for sure.
2: All right, so All right, so we you just, we talked, just about talked about a little bit about your college career. So then after refusing to play in the OHL, you go play for your hometown OPJHL team, the Bramalia Blues. and then Bramley. Th- Bramley, sorry. My bad. Bramley, yeah. <laughs> and then you tear things up in the 95-96 season and end up winning the OPJHL Defenseman of the Year. You then attend the NHL draft following that season in 96 and then again in 97 after your college rookie season and your name didn't get called at either draft. Do you think that going undrafted impacted your drive as a player?
3: Uh, oh, for a big time. Um, through, through my whole career, I was always, they always tried to convince me to go play forward. And I really didn't have any interest in that. And I was really focusing on the defensive side of the game. Um, and go going back to Lee, So Bramley, I well, Chinkusi was my minor league uh, youth hockey. But then I went to, then I went to, what was it? It was. Um, you played for the Vaughn Kings, I think, didn't you? Vaughan, yeah, it was it was Vaughn Kings. It's funny. I ended up uh, Lindsey Hofford, who's the assistant GM of uh, Phoenix. He wanted me and uh, this other guy, Adam Lee, to come over. And because of how the uh, it's structured in in Ontario, there's obviously there's different boundaries. They ended up changing the boundaries to go around my house. They went to the courts to change it. So in order for me to go over to Richmond Hill Vaughan Kings, we ended up winning the term, uh, the the um, all Ontarios that year too. So, but throughout my whole entire career, they were trying to convince me to change to go to the Ford because of the height. Being back then, you had to be about six feet to play. And when I ended up going to the draft, the NHL draft, it was the second, it was my last eligibility year. I ended up being in there. And my dad, uh, I I waited to the last person to be called. And I remember my dad. Looking at me, he's like, "You want to go, or do you want to just wait?" I said, "I wanted to wait." And when I heard my name, my dad right away said, "All right, find another way." And it's something that, through my whole entire career, I people would always come up to me and and say, "Oh, you played amazing! You played amazing!" And even though, even though I probably did, I would always say, "Well, I could have played better." And that kind of you almost need that kind of drive to become better every single game uh, in order to make it. But it does take some, it really does hurt you a little bit as well because you really start saying to yourself, you're not good enough. But that, that little bit of that really does help you strive to the next level. And with every single training camp I went into, I was never given it. I always had to earn it. With every single, um, every single game, I had to earn it. I remember going. I was signed with Atlanta Thrashers as an unrestricted free agent, and it was with um, Don Waddell was the GM that year, and he just loved college players, and he was he was ahead of ahead of the curve as far as NHL teams going after university players he ended up bringing us in and all the rookies he told told us to go down to the minors which would have been the turner cup uh, so, so, which would have been the orlando solar bears and we ended up winning the turner cup that year but his main job was to go tell, he told us to go down there and learn how to be professional so that that year really did help all the rookies really grow as uh, as players and paying attention to the the older players and seeing how they handled themselves as pro pro players Mm -hmm. so that 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 really did help me um get there and i remember my coach uh at the time he was going to send me down to the east coast that year Um, and before they wanted to send me down they wanted just me to get a game and i ended up i i missed the first 10 games and then it got into the 11th game and after they put me in, they told me after we won, we won the Turner Cup, they said, you, uh, there, once you played that game, there was no way that we were sending you down. So it's something that there are two different types of people. There are people that, when given that opportunity, they stand up and they take advantage of it. And, or there's, there's the other person that, is given that opportunity and they either just get by or they kind of shy away from it right so it's something that I've always challenged myself during the year during training camps during 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 regular season and especially in playoffs am I going to be that person that's going to stand up and take and, and take control
1: mm-hmm well, obviously you did that. Uh, you uh, you turned, turned yourself, yourself your hockey career, I mean, into a, a, a very long, one a lengthy one. Um, I was just curious, though. I wanted to ask you. Um, I know, obviously, you, you just mentioned that you signed with the Thrashers straight out straight out of um, college. But were you in talks with them at all during that final season of college? Like, did you did you know? Um, where you were going to end up right after you graduated? Did you know that you were going to go play professional hockey? Uh,
3: no. Well, I had, um, right when I finished my last game at Michigan State, I was able to sign uh, a pro contract. Um, and because of that, I was, I ended up, Getting an agent and from there we were able to figure out that Atlanta was interested in, in me and I had the option of going right out there and they were getting into playoffs and I said no I kind of wanted to wait till the, the following year. So from there I, I just signed it was a two way contract with Atlanta. So that, that's kind of how that went. Um, but the one thing that I always did, even, even though I signed a pro contract, I was designing websites on the side. So I was well. trying to stay relevant in my, in, in, using my education. So while everybody was losing money on the plane at the poker table, I was designing websites for people. Mm -hmm. wow so um uh you know inside college hockey inch
0: no
3: yeah so i ended up designing their website uh i think they've redone it since then um yeah there's there's a few websites that i that i did but it it really i was just kind of screwing around and (laughs) having fun with it but kind of staying relevant because that really helped me I designed my hockey school websites uh, up till probably about six years ago, seven years ago. Uh, Why is that? Another, Why did you stop designing them? It. So it's something that you always got to think of the future, and that's one of the things the NHL Players Association finds it difficult to prepare their, their players for post-career. Because it's all about staying in the moment, and instead of looking f- to the future. Because if you look to the future, you're you're not focusing on uh, the moment, at, you know, right right now. So.
2: All right. So, so obviously, obviously you mentioned, mentioned about your first training camp with Atlanta. With that I believe that was in two thousand mm-hmm. Um. I know, I know they drafted. They drafted- some, some uh, they drafted I kovalchuk that year in 01 like, did you get a chance to ever like, like, like interact like with them during that, that, training,
3: that camp? training camp um kovalchuk no um it would have been the following year i played uh would have been 16 games or was it mm-hmm. i can't remember It's either 16 or 40 games it was one of I think it might have been your first 16, year was 16,
1: I think, 16, I think. and then, yeah. then you yeah, played 40 your second. second.
3: Yeah, well, I remember. So my when I had my rookie party, which is the party that you kind of get that get out of the way. So it's a rookie party, and basically it, you you basically take the team out yeah. for for dinner. So I remember showing Posse Nurminen, who was a Finnish goalie. It was his and I rookie party. So we ended up going to Montreal at uh, uh, Los Chavats.
1: That's a good city to do your rookie yeah. party. in
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I remember sitting down at the, the table and I was sitting there and everybody kept on saying, they're like, hey, as long as they don't order the blue whale caviar, I think you guys should be fine so sure enough i'm like oh my god what's that did they order they're like no 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 not that's not the blue whale caviar but that the other side of the table is i'm like oh god it's like a ten thousand uh, dollar dish or whatever container. like uh a... yeah blue, yeah it's fish eggs yeah okay yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah no i know what caviar is but it's it's an expensive dish is what you're saying
3: oh crazy so yeah so it's funny well the the. Dinner was about forty thousand dollars, but it, <laughs> l- luckily it was just Posse, Nermanin and myself had to pay five thousand each, and then Kovalchuk and Heatley ended up uh, mm. taking down the rest <laughs> because of their big contracts. But yeah, I still have I have the plate um, from from there and the blue whale caviar. Uh, container too, the metal container. Where did you sign it?
1: You were on a two-way contract at that time too, weren't you? I was on a two-way contract,
3: yeah. That, that is a hefty, a hefty bill, bill.
1: for a yeah. rookie. Player. It was a
3: two, Yeah, it was a two-way contract, but I played. That was the year I played forty games, okay. so I had a pretty, uh, pretty good run. And then uh, Hartley came in, which uh, it's funny. He was all about. Tall defenseman, even though I was player of the game out of those 40 games, I was probably player of the game about four or five times. Mm, that's I well. partnered with uh, Andy Sutton. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, uh it was that he ended up keeping uh, XLB and uh, pull, pulling up XLB and sending me down. And then after that, yeah, I didn't get a shot till the next year I came up for one game. And then after that I was released from a contract, which was awesome because it really set up, set up the rest of my career.
1: Uh, what was playing at Atlanta, like? Atlanta like? Like, I know it's not it's really, really, to me Atlanta at least, it's not Atlanta really the most State ideal State hockey State city State. in the world. Like, what would you think of your experience there?
3: Um, It was special to me because it was my first team, but yeah, like it was, it was embarrassing how bad it was. Uh, they, they had, they had a, a, a 10 o'clock games sometimes that they would have, it was a school day. So basically they had every, like they had a whole bunch of these schools come in. So like 10 a.m. Cra- you're, you're saying, it was pretty crazy. The first and second period, everybody screaming, yelling. It was, it was pretty electric, but the mm-hmm. third period comes up, we come out and all the kids go back to school. So there was, <laughs> there was, might've been five people in the stands. so yeah it was pretty embarrassing Uh, obviously the NHL looking at it now was it probably wasn't the best uh, place to put an NHL team but they learned from it and they ended up uh, they ended up moving it so so Winnipeg which that's a pretty big uh, that's a huge
1: (laughs) hockey city man
3: yeah yeah. You ever watch
1: a playoff game, like just on TV, that they, they white out the stands in Winnipeg, and the fans are nuts there.
3: Yeah, yeah. The only thing they probably wish they had was a bigger rink because that only yeah. holds. I think it's like thirteen thousand.
1: I think it's one of the smallest in NHL. You're yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, Mike, quickly, I want to hop back to uh, talk about your your, your IHL and AHL career quickly. Uh, there's this saying that defense wins championships. And you went on to win two championships in pro hockey immediately after college. You won the 2001 Turner Cup with the Orlando Solar Bears in the International Hockey League. And the following season, you won the 2002 Calder Cup with the Chicago Wolves in the American Hockey League. Now, although you were somewhat of a point-getting defenseman in junior and a little bit in college, for most of your hockey career, and I'd say your entire NHL career, you were a very defensive-minded player. When did you learn your role as a professional hockey player?
3: Well, a lot of, to be honest, I I had maybe one half decent year in university and one half decent year in juniors. Uh, other than that, I, I realized I I took a lot of pride in blocking shots. I took a lot of pride in, in, outthinking the opponent, and I think that's what made me uh, a very smart player. Was that I was able to, I looked away, I looked at all the players away from the puck, and I knew their options, and basically I was able to tell the future, so, and you have to process this stuff so fast that, and, and it's all about body positioning, and that's what I teach at my hockey school defense first, is the thinking part of the game, and how to be here and there at the same time, how do you do it? um how do you go and make you look uh, make yourself look bigger how to um get this guy you want to get him to a little small area from a big area so it's all about different angles how you approach because that uh, that opposition player is trying to go opposite of you and you have to come up with a game plan instead of just chasing the puck um like a ball uh a dog chases a ball right it's that dog will go crazy and just race to that ball but really if if you really it's all about taking control back in the game instead of reading and reacting it's all about initiating and dictating so when I was in Florida one of the biggest things with me I would watch lots of video like even through minors all the way up and I would watch lots of videos and the one thing I I was pulled in in Florida because the players were annoyed that I was asking for video because they're like, we're we're making, you're making them look bad. I'm like, well, I'm not making you look bad. I'm just, I just want to go and improve and, and find, finding out different solutions to issues that I was having. So going back to, um, going back to the IHL. So in the IHL. It was the last year of the Turner Cup. We ended up winning the championship. Then you, you get to our team goes to Chicago. Same thing. Um, we ended up winning the the Calder Cup. So back-to-back years, I learned so much in those two years based on learning from the older guys, but also uh, really looking at video. I was very, very good at picking out exactly what was going wrong. And it, it's almost like you're you you're a problem solver your whole entire career. And I never really, I never really wanted to feel comfortable in anything that I was doing because if you feel comfortable, then you, then you you are almost falling behind.
1: Um, we have a running joke on this podcast. I don't know if you ever listened to our podcast before, but I'm a huge plus minus guy. Like I, if I see a player on the ice for more goals scored than goals against obviously like i'm i'm all for that like i i'm i love the defensive side of the game so to speak Uh, obviously you had some pretty good years your first year in professional hockey with orlando solar bears you only had eight points but you were plus 20. that's that's pretty good man for your rookie season in professional hockey um i also want to ask you quickly yeah uh, the Solar Bears folded, folded after you won the Turner Cup in 2001. 2001. Did a lot of players from the Thrasher's farm system then move over to the Ch- Chicago, Chicago Wolves? And do you think that had success had with... with I, mean, I mean, do you think that had, uh, like, a factor in your success if uh, if you guys did all move over to the Wolves?
3: Yeah, for sure. Like, we had uh, our, our main core of the... was... Well, the... the the main core was all of Atlanta Thrasher's prospects. So when we moved over to Chicago, yes, it, we we had our core part of our team, and and that was a big that was a big um, advantage to us us winning that. Yeah, that was that was that was big. Um, Chicago Wolves uh, was a great franchise, and they. Treated their players like NHL players. So it was a really amazing experience to be with Chicago also. Yes.
0: Okay. And now kind of shifting things things to your your NHL NHL career. So the path you took to the the NHL was obviously long and clearly, as we mentioned, Uh, you played your first NHL game with the Atlanta Thrashers in the 2001-02 season. How was that first ever game in the NHL? And what was your welcome to the NHL moment? If you can uh, point out one that you'll remember for the rest of your life.
3: Well, it was it was Atlanta Thrashers versus Montreal in Montreal. Mm-hmm. I remember getting called up. My dad was all excited. He went and got tickets, raced down there, and he I remember walk, uh, skating onto the ice. I can't remember who it was, but it was a guy behind me. and as we're walking out for the start of the game, he he's just like mike this is officially your first nhl game now and i'm like oh my god it kind of got me all chills especially going out in the bell center and i ended up getting scored on uh on the power play um and it was it was uh, who, who was it it was gilmore I re- ended up getting scored on by him, and I got kind of beat at when I got back to the bench. Mm-hmm. But um, it was yeah, it was pretty cool, obviously. It's a guy that you, yeah. you you watch growing up and all of a sudden you're playing against him. So it was, uh, it was pretty cool.
1: Wasn't per,
3: well, it wasn't cool go, going uh, getting scored on, but yeah. uh, it was pretty cool to say that that happened.
0: <laughs> well, uh, another pretty cool thing is your first two NHL games were the two teams you finished off your NHL career. So that's pretty ironic to start your NHL career for sure. Yeah, I,
3: I never thought about that. Yeah. And, and it's and it's funny that my dad had the whole entire cheering section cheering for me. So <laughs> yeah, so but were I'm there cheering. even Habs fans cheering for you? Uh, t- <laughs> yeah it's well especially in Montreal but he, he ended up rallying them up to have the whole tour <laughs> yeah uh, so
2: um, obviously you played yeah, for six, different, played for six teams different teams that we, teams that we uh, highlighted uh, before highlighted so did you have a favorite, favorite city that you in lived in during your playing career? career and was there in a city this, or organization, uh, organization, organization that you played for yeah, it, that really, really felt like home? home
3: Um, yeah I, I think every every team I played for had its special, special little, uh, little feeling for me. Like, so like Atlanta, that was kind of my first break, which was uh pretty memorable. Uh, then with LA, which uh, amazing. Like you're, you're there with, uh, in the dressing room and Barry Bonds is Saying hi, what's up, Mike? Um, I remember coming out of the dressing room, uh, out of the change room, and Alan Thick is there. He's like, "Hey, Weave, what's up?" I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. "Hey, Alan, how's it going?" <laughs> uh Like, it's you go into um Chairman's Lounge, which is right beside the dressing room, and every uh Cuba Gooding Jr. Like mm-hmm. a- everybody is, you name it, is in 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 the dressing room saying hi. How's it going, Weave? So it's it's kind of a little weird. That was pretty amazing. And then uh, Vancouver, oh, um, well, St. Louis. It, it was a very amazing small. It, it's like a it's a big. It's a small but big city. It, it's it's really a lot of people retire there after their their career. Uh, it was pretty special in St. Louis. I, I had two amazing years. We ended up going from last place in the NHL in. January to winning uh, to making it playoffs, so which was pretty amazing. And it's funny, St. Louis ended up doing that just recently. Yeah, yeah. Too. did you
1: have anything like did you go back after the Blues won the cup and did you like no. party with them at all as no, an alumni? No, no, no,
3: no. and all like, like, yeah, no, I, n- I never did that, but then and then from there, uh, would have been, uh. Vancouver, I I assisted on, I assisted on Trevor Linden's last ever goal scored.
1: That's pretty cool. uh, Which was,
3: which was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that's 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 pretty awesome, actually. Actually, yeah.
3: And then from there uh, would have been Florida. Like, how could you not love Florida? Even though the fans, the fans there were, were good, but obviously it wasn't packed houses. But every single day after practice I'm I'm playing street hockey with my with my my son in shorts. That's so all through the winter time. Um, and then from there, Montreal. It just probably the best one of the best, I would say the best franchise in, in all of sports. It's phenomenal. And making that run The year that we ended up beating Boston in game seven to go to the semifinals. We lost against the Rangers, but I think it was just that that game seven was our Stanley Cup game seven.
2: Yeah, yeah. um, I want to comment a bit on that. I'm a huge Montreal fan. Um, So... I remember, I don't know if you remember this distinctly, but I remember the goal you scored in game two versus Boston. Was that one of your bigger goals of your career, you would say?
3: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that was yeah that was probably the biggest. My other one that I, I, I loved too was when I ended up scoring with, I think it was with Florida against uh, Brodeur. I ended up scoring from the point and he got pulled. They were probably thinking... Like right afterwards, you mean? Yeah. They are probably thinking if Mike Weaver could score on you, you're getting pulled. (laughs) But, yeah. I always like to joke that I I remember every one of my goals because I didn't have a lot of goals scored. You had eight, I think? Or no? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It's... uh, You know, I just... I think I just... A lot of guys, when they go to training camp, they, they try and do too much. And they, they, there's a reason why they were chosen to come to that training camp. And I think I, what helped me as I found out at an early age, I learned at an early age, what exactly I was good at Mm -hmm. and, and, and staying true to, to that, I think really did help me out and, and for me, not doing too much.
1: Uh, I wanted to ask you something quickly about your time with the Habs. What was it like playing for uh, Michelle Therrien? What was your relationship with him? I've heard many mixed things about him.
3: Um, Therrien? Yeah. 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 Well, it's 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 funny. I'll tell I'll tell you guys uh, um a pretty funny okay. story. Um, I was when I would have been LA, no, no, it would have been St. Louis, no, St. Louis, no, Vancouver and Pittsburgh. So I ended up having a choice between Vancouver and Pittsburgh. And my wife was pregnant at the time. And she, we ended up saying, okay, let's let's go. It's either a four hour flight or a four hour drive. So I ended up saying Pittsburgh, we'll go to Pittsburgh. We ended up going there. Terrien was the coach. I did amazing during the camp. I I killed it. I ended up scoring on a breakaway. Me scoring on a breakaway. Uh, yeah, defensive
1: defenseman scoring on a breakaway. Wow. Yeah, it doesn't happen.
3: Um, so it was pretty pretty awesome. I was playing monkey in the middle with Sid and Colby Armstrong, and like it was just it was just it was just like I was in awe about the whole situation and. Like, even Sid's, Sid's just like, you 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 made this team for sure, hands down. So I ended up getting called into the room, last cut. I ended up getting called into the room, and I thought they were going to tell me to get a place, and hit Tarion and Ray Sherrill, the GM, were in there. And Tarion's just like, well, I, I wish I had a better French accent, but he's just like, hey, uh, Mike, uh, I think uh, we're going to put you on uh, waivers. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, uh, kind of sucked. And so I'm like, okay, how I always did it, I didn't get pissed off. I'm like, well, thanks for the opportunity and and uh, best of luck. So I get a call from my agent about five minutes later saying that Ray Sherrill wanted to keep me, but he let Terry make the decision. So they wanted to keep Nasruddin. Uh, one of their players so I ended up saying okay fine so I ended up I guess Vancouver picked me up on waivers so I drove back four hours three hours later I was on a flight to Vancouver and I ended up playing that year that was the last uh, year of Trevor Linden I assisted on that that goal and fast forward I'm in Montreal yeah oh sorry no Uh, so then that year they ended up. Um, Terry got fired.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Nazarene went down, and Pittsburgh won the won the Stanley yeah, Cup. Yeah, I was just yeah. gonna say they won a cup. You could've won a cup. If,
1: yeah, if, if you ended up making that team, which from what it sounds like you should've.
3: Yeah, but but then after that, fast forward, I'm yeah. in Montreal. <laughs> and with terry yeah well it's funny uh berge uh Bergevin gives me a call and is just like hey mike i've been trying to get you the last couple years and i'm glad that i was able to this year and then terrian calls the second call and he's like hey mike uh hi how's it going and i'm like yeah, well, last time we talked, you were putting me on waivers, <laughs> so it's funny. Not even a month into that, there he was calling me Dream the Dream, Dream Weaver because that turned into a pretty good playoff run, and everybody had um had uh signs in the stands saying Dream Weaver, and it was yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty amazing. So, awesome. so
1: then when you were in Montreal, what was it like playing for him?
3: Well, he's—he's. It's funny. The whole entire bus is waiting outside. Tyrion comes in, and so like everybody, the whole team's on. Uh, Owners, team, everything. Everybody's there. Assistant coaches. Everybody waiting for Tyrion to come. He comes on the bus. And he puts his briefcase at the front, and then he goes back for a smoke. So the whole team is waiting for him to get on this bus, and he, he has to have a smoke first. So, anyways, and he comes on, yeah, it's he was. Um, there, there are some people that that thrive in situations where the coaches the coaches uh, hard on you, and then there's some some that curl up. Mm-hmm. And and they don't they don't engage. I, I was always a, a guy that thrives in situations like that, like um, Mark Crawford mm-hmm. with L.A. Um, he ended up. He ended up being like a really big hard ass for sure, yeah, yeah. yeah big time. And at what um, after he ended up telling me. Telling my dad, he saw my dad somewhere, and he ended up saying, "He's just like, hey, he's like some some people fall through the cra- cracks here and there, and Mike was one of them, as as far as on his radar. So he was basically <laughs> saying what I did for the team was pretty remarkable, and he should have recognized that sooner. So yeah, so there's there's a couple coaches out there that were pretty." Uh, pretty hardcore, but, um, I think, I think nowadays, uh, one of the big discussions, uh, I, I, we partnered my coaching platform, coach them ended up partnering with the, the coaches site and one of the big conversations. And it's funny, Mark Crawford was, uh, talking about that, but basically talking about how how to deal with kids nowadays. And it's a different it's a different way of, of dealing with that. So, you know, there's no HR department in sports locker rooms. But now dealing with kids from the past, even 10 years ago, uh, compared to kids of today, it's a different way. You can you can't get on them as, as much as you once could.
2: Yeah, you're definitely right, especially with all like that recent controversy that happened near the end of uh, the year last year with those coaches getting fired, and just now it's a more serious topic, and I guess coaches have to approach their coaching style a lot differently than they did uh, even just three, four, five years ago.
3: Yeah, and and the one th- my comment on that is, although there's no HR department in the dressing room. You got, especially when you get into the NHL, a, a lot of coaches, um, you, you, as a coach, you have to earn the player's respect because at some point you'll lose it if you maintain being a hard ass. And, and I, I, I hate how, cause it started in the um, movie industry, that whole fallout of them going back like 10, 15 years ago. And. Like how far do you really go back? I know know it's kind of stopped all that, but how far do you really go back? Because a lot of people have changed along the way. Like I know Mark Crawford was getting reprimanded for something that he did a while ago, but it's funny. A lot of, a lot of his top uh, topics and everything uh, now he's, he's talking about how to not do that. So it's, it's how far do you go back into somebody's past? that's you know people i, I look at it, people change and people evolve and people learn from their mistakes and and I, I really don't like how that happened but at the it it happened and you got to move on for that but uh people learn and people make mistakes and you just got to move on with that and learn from it
1: yeah, yeah. the intro was hardcore back in the day um, i wanted to talk about how i mean you you were in the, you league, were in the for... league for for Since 2001, 2001, you were there until 2015, so you were in the NHL as, as, I would say, like, the gritty gritty era, era, quote-unquote, kind of ended ended during your your playing career, career, if that makes sense. sense, like... the NHL used to be very physical, and uh, and players were like they would play a lot harder back in the day than they are now. Like players coming into the league nowadays, they're very skilled, and it's the the games kind of evolved into more of a skillful game. And towards the end of your career, I'd say in 2010, 2011, that's when the game kind of shifted a little bit as a fan. Like that's kind of my perspective of how the game sort of evolved. Did you ever have to did you find that you ever had to change your playing style?
3: Um not really. Like it made it a little bit easier for me. Um like I, I was never a clut clutch or grabber, to be honest. So I, I think it was more of the very tall, tall uh Defenseman that couldn't skate. Uh, at least I had. I wasn't fast, but I wasn't slow. Um, I know I had the longest stick in the league. compared uh, by well, based on <laughs> like for your height, your height, yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my stick was taller than me. Yeah,
1: yeah. wow. So that's it re- that's it unusual, did. actually.
3: Well, it, it really it really did help out for sure. Um, it made up for me being a little, um, a little shorter, but I I don't think my game really did change a whole lot. I just knew that I knew I was the goalie's best friend back there. So I know goalies could really count on me to be there for him and. I was very good about getting that first pass out of the zone mm-hmm. and being con- consistent like that, um, a lot of people have confidence in you. Um,
2: uh, even though you're not playing in the league anymore, obviously you still watch hockey, but do you still keep in shape like how you kind of train for the NHL?
3: Well, I'm going to say a lot of, uh, basically almost all my friends that I've, I talk to still, nobody works out. (laughs) We've been told what to do our whole entire life, uh, what to lift, where to go, what to run, where to run to. And it, it does take a toll on you. I personally, I don't watch a lot of hockey. I, I, maybe I might watch one or two games in the playoffs. That's about it. I don't watch hardly any 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 hockey. It's just wow. it was just very tough through your whole entire career, like fifteen years of doing that and every single day watching video. So it, it's it was very tough. I at some point I'm gonna get back to working out and, and maintaining myself. And for the most part, i I'm I'm pretty. If somebody was to see me, they they would say that I would be in playing playing shape, even (laughs) though I don't do a whole lot. I think it's part of my genes, (laughs) and I'm very (laughs) active. And I'm very active too, so I'm not just sitting around. So, but yeah, it's it's something that I I loved I loved what I did. I I love that what I have accomplished. Um, The one the I was inducted into the Brampton Sports Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently and it was very Throughout my whole career as I mentioned before I really said even though people said I played an amazing game I would always say I could have played better at that when I was sitting on stage and they were playing uh, a video uh, about me before I was inducted it was something I I ended up having a couple tears and I don't cry ever so it was kind of it was kind of a little thing that basically said I was good enough and it was a really good um feeling uh for that to happen uh I love what I'm do- doing now even though I don't watch hockey as much as I did on TV it's funny I'm I'm giving back to the hockey community with my hockey school defense first I have people coming from all over the world now and they come, some of them come for two weeks at a time. And I teach a very unique thing that nobody teaches in hockey at the thinking part of the game. So it's defensefirst.com, D- defensefirst.com. And for, for the hockey coaches, I created a platform using my background of. Telecommunication, minor, my, my virtual reality, software development, web design. So my background in computer, I ended up creating a platform called Coach, T H E M Coachthem.com, and it allows coaches to digitally create their drills in a, in a browser, and easily sh- create practice plans. I use it with my hockey school. We have uh, we're up to about. 8,000 coaches on there. We partner with the NHL Coaches Association and the coaches' site. We have uh, an amazing following right now, and it's something that we are. I, I'm I'm so happy that I was able to give back to the players and uh, to coaches as well. Yeah, that's
2: awesome yeah, that's to awesome hear that you're giving game back game to the hockey the community. Hockey that's, always, that's always that's always nice, nice to hear, to especially from, from a former alumni. Up.
1: There's a lot of coaches too that I've I've heard of that have been using your app. Uh, I know Pete DeBoer was one of them. That's just one coach that I can name off the top of my head. Um, but when did you you came up with that idea, Coach? Then after when you retired, correct?
3: Correct. No, it was when I was with Florida. I with my hockey school. I felt that it was very tedious to create. Drills on on a piece of paper and have to redraw them every single time I wanted to make a practice plan. Right. So, uh, and then Rob Tallis, the goalie coach for the Florida Panthers, he said that they they have all these millions of dollars, uh, the NHL teams, but they still do it on a piece of paper. So, I set out to create a uh, completely web based, no plugins, nothing, no apps completely web-based so if it works on a if your device has a browser it works on it so we're basically breaking the barriers of uh, any desktop operating systems you could go from an iPad to a desktop to um, even your phone uh, right yeah it use a digital pencil if you want to use a mouse so it allows you it just broke down the barriers of everything so it's something that Everybody loves it once they get on it. And we just got to spread the word as much as we can. So uh,
1: so, so can coaches, coaches like, like kind of, kind of communicate, communicate and, share and share drills on the app then with, with, with each other?
3: Yeah, and that's the whole idea. I want to eliminate paper. I want to eliminate everything. So uh, with my coaches this year, I was creating a practice plan. I would digitally share it. They would receive an email or notification to their phone, and they were able to bring up the practice plan right on their device. So it, it it's pretty cool. We we worked with the NHL uh, coaches association, and uh, last year during the draft. Uh, we had every NHL team send us two or three drills each and we had to, wow. we digitized all of them and created an amazing drill book mm-hmm. that all the participants were able to uh, receive. So That's great. Well, we have, yeah, we have like over 250 drills, uh, always adding uh, on a weekly basis uh, drills for coaches if they're inexperienced, they could have that. We have over 40 associations, all the top associations in, in Ontario. Uh, and um, uh, a lot in well, we have 40, 40 associations, so it's it's pretty amazing. It's fun.
1: Uh, you obviously you just mentioned uh, earlier that you have your hockey school defense first. Uh, you created that hockey school with John and Santa, correct? Correct.
3: Yep. Uh, he he ended up uh, staying in Michigan. I moved back to Toronto, and uh, he was too busy with his job, so I it's just just me doing it now
1: oh it's just you know uh when did you start that you started that during your playing career as well right
3: yeah i I, to be honest i wanted to create i i knew that uh, my hockey career would only go for so long and i looked at all the hockey schools out there and i and i thought there was a need for something that was unique so creating that allowed me to evolve my my playing career also uh, looking at players on the ice and seeing what would they what the mistakes they're doing really helped me come up with solutions for even when I played so I would use going through my hockey school in July usually I was able to really get back into the mindset of playing in the NHL um, so yeah it, it helped me with my career and I was able to transfer uh, some of that knowledge into the hands of um, my students.
1: Yeah, this is why we had you on because Because you
3: didn't just just
1: play professional hockey. You actually actually ended up doing something for for the hockey community community outside of of the NHL afterwards. So this is exactly why we had you on. on. Uh, I want to jump back into your your playing career for a second. You obviously played with many, 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 many players. Uh, you played with guys like Jeremy Roenick, Sean Avery, the Sadin Twins, Roberto Luongo, Scotty Upshaw, PK Subban, just to name a few. Uh, who do you think was the most humorous player you ever played with?
3: I would say Tom Costopoulos.
1: Really? Him okay. And I, Why is that? Him
3: and I got along pretty good. Uh, he was always a prankster, just like I was. So, and we used to room together. So we, he he was he was pretty, pretty. Pretty funny, pretty funny guy.
1: You have any funny stories of him uh, that you could share? Uh,
3: yeah, like he would always, um, during our pregame meals, he would, uh, we always used to have an ice cream station, so there would be, uh, hot fudge, caramel, and he would always get this, um, you would get like, um, uh, red hot. Frank's Red Hot or something, and he would you would put it right beside there, and people would be putting like Frank's Red Hot right on their right on their ice cream. Uh, yeah, like he he would. Um, uh, him and I broke into our strength coach's room, and we ended up switching the box spring and putting it on top of the mattress and then he, back up. Uh, he was uh, he was pretty. Pretty pretty funny funny dude. Yeah. So you were, you were kind of. Uh, a like it's, or... it's funny. How about this? Even this. Um, Mark Crawford, mm-hmm. he would always have his hair perfect. Yeah, he would yeah, come yeah. On the ice, yeah. so perfect. So, uh, do, do you know the uh, the J Crew bottles? Of they they would have gel and they would have shampoo, but they looked exactly the same. The only thing you could tell. <laughs> is the little bit uh, it just says shampoo or it says gel yeah okay it's very tough to see so he ended up tom ended up switching uh the shampoo with the gel so <laughs> the, well, no no he, he switched up the the gel with the shampoo so when he went to go do his hair up he put the shampoo in there instead of gel. Oh. So he comes on the ice. ready to begin the of practice, his hair is all over the place because he had to kind of wash it out, right? Yeah. You know, it was, so right away, he's just like, which one of you guys ended up switching the bottles up? So it was pretty funny. <laughs> but yeah, we, we, we had some good times. Um, I would always, with a new roommate, I would always... Um, roommate on the road for a hotel. Mm -hmm. I would always jump up quick up to the um, room, at the hotel room. So he was my roommate for the first time in the year. So I, well, it would have been probably about the third hotel that we're at. I kind of knew his whole routine. He would get into the room. He would put his clothes in the, he would hang them up and go sit on the bed. So I raced up as fast as possible. I'm in this closet <laughs> and the closet, it was a very s- small closet, but they had something that I had to crouch around. So I couldn't stand up straight. Mm-hmm. So I'm like looking in, it, it had kind of little uh, 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 things that I'm able to look out, but he couldn't see me. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, sure enough, he comes in and he goes and sits on the bed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh God, really? I'm like, just come so I can jump out and scare you. So anyways, he ended up watching a whole entire half hour show. Like my back, my back was so sore. I'm like, my legs are shaking. I felt, oh, I felt like I was doing a wall sit. Anyways, he finally comes after the show and I, jump out and, and scare him but yeah he, he he was pretty scared because I was in there for a half hour yeah that's a long
1: time <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was yeah but,
3: but yeah it's it's, it's it, you create some amazing relationships yeah. with yeah. the guys that you play with one of my fav- favorites was Carrie Price so
0: okay that's your favorite. oh yeah
3: yeah he, he was one of my favorites he was him and I had a good relationship
1: was he? Was Carey Price like one of those players that, when you or the team would go out with him, you just you kind of knew you were going to be in for a good time, like a fun time?
3: Yeah, yeah. He was. He was. He wasn't really crazy outspoken, but he was. He was just a good dude. Really good. Right. Dude. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's funny. For. Uh, would have been for it's for the Montreal Canadiens. We would have one of the first drills was you would. A forward would dump it in. You would, the D would go and grab the puck mm-hmm. behind the net. So the, the, the goalie would set it up and you would pick it up and pass it to the winger and, and break out. Yeah. And it was, it was an ongoing thing like that, trying to just kind of go through the motions of a pregame skate. So anyway, so for instance, so I start going back there. He throws it in my feet. So I'm like, oh my god! So I'm like, it's supposed to be like smooth. So I'm like grabbing it in my feet, trying to get it up to the, the floor. And I'm like, carry. I'm like, Pricer. I'm like, what are you doing? So he's kind of chuckled. Go back second time. Throws it in my feet again. So I'm like trying to get it. So by that time, the coaches are taking notice. I mean, and he, and he's just like, and they're like talking amongst themselves. They're like, well. I'm assuming saying like Mike's not having a good pregame skate. I think we should take him out a lot. <laughs> so, anyways, so it started. They started coming up to me. They're like, "Mike, what's wrong?" I'm like, "Carry's throwing you to my feet." So, anyways, it turned into be a, like a funny thing that the coaches would all start laughing at it. Yeah, it's <laughs> it pretty pretty good. Yeah, but it's these little little things, uh, innocent things. Like uh, it was something that it was it was just. A fun you want to enjoy the guys on the road and you want to enjoy the experience and it was i met some amazing people
0: um so i just want to go to an off ice question for a second here i know last year around this time you attended comic-con here in toronto and on twitter you posted two pictures with stormtroopers and jabba the hutt so i gotta assume you're a big star wars guy correct
3: i was just doing that with my kids but i i love i do love star wars yeah. i'm not how about this? I would I would dress up for sure. I, I'm totally into Halloween. That's one of my favorite holidays. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm not a big comic guy, but I I do like comics. Yeah.
0: Well, I saw you attend last year, and I got kind of jealous because I want to do that with myself, but I can't really
3: Yeah. No. For, I know my kids absolutely loved it. I love the experience. I love I love getting out. It. We live in an amazing uh, city, and it's something that's we got to get out and experience it's a little tough right now with everything that's yeah. going on. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, it's kind of, a uh, the world's telling us that, uh, we're getting a little too crazy mm-hmm. and, it, you should look at around you mm-hmm. of, uh, it's a lot of time. We don't look around. We we're we're so caught up in the mm-hmm. moment of making money and, and, and doing work. It, it's a little pause in time yeah. that yeah. we're able to reflect on Agreed. Agreed. what we have accomplished and what we're doing wrong in this world as far as uh, polluting this the world. Um, China's skies have never been bluer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's, and I know
1: Venice's rivers have never been, never clear. been
3: clear. Yeah, so it's something that I, I think everybody should look around and and to be honest, what you're spending your money on.
0: Yeah, and how right. you there, your there's, time there's at home so many things that
3: even though it, it, it does like the the death toll is just it, it's it's not uh, it's not obviously great. Um, people are still staying, <laughs> not staying inside, which is I think is just disrespectful. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really think that we're we're here and and the one thing is that this virus doesn't look whether you're white, black, whatever whatever your background is, where you're from, uh, it doesn't look at your color. It doesn't it doesn't there it doesn't right obviously it affects the older population a little bit more than the younger population, but it's something that we just got to look at the world like we live in an amazing place and and why it's almost like the world's getting a little upset with us
2: yeah yeah um, um
3: do you have any you have
2: additional, additional hobbies away, away from hockey, from hockey, hockey and, and obviously, obviously like your obviously coach first them first and defense first, and first programs
3: i i'm a pretty good handyman to be honest <laughs> yeah i've been doing uh, a lot of uh uh with my at my girlfriend's uh spa in oakville mm-hmm. it's uh i've been basically doing a lot of projects in there and 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 helping build stuff and and build cabinets and take them up, take these cabinets apart and resize them I, I love i i used to do that when i was in Uh, high school I took a class a woodworking class and I'm it's amazing I'm able to utilize all those things I did back in high school so it's 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 fun I'm really enjoying uh, really enjoying that I I love technology so I'm always into fixing stuff and 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 creating networks and uh, so it's uh, I I just I just love it and I'm really really trying to focus on my personal life mm-hmm. of just enjoying life yeah. and, and enjoying the moments and enjoy dro- enjoying my family. So it's something that at the end of the day, your family's always going to be there for you. Right. Yeah. And uh, Ron Mason, my coach at Michigan State, he would say he came into my living room when he was recruiting me to come to Michigan State he's just like you gotta look at your life right now uh, with uh, as a triangle and with each side you got to keep them you got to keep them um, the same length so on one side you got your um, your education uh, on, on the other side you got your sports and then the the other side you got your family and, and friends so social life and you got to keep each triangle each side of the triangle the same length now if you start parting too much of your social life It gets a little long and the other two sides of the triangle are going to be shorter than than that And it's it's all about balance in life, and I've been struggling with that all my all my career um, with, with hockey you you really had to give everything that you did for the sport, but you, I'm I'm constantly going and evaluating my life and, and, and creating balance. And I think with what's going on with this world, I think almost the world is saying, look at what really matters and balance your life out.
1: Yeah. And take the time, yeah, to, take reflect. The time
3: to reflect. That's yeah. one thing that uh, I've,
1: realized I've realized over this, realized short, this little short little break here, um, here uh, that family, family and friends always Comes first, first, but it's very very important important to 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 keep a a balanced social life and 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 education balance everything in your life. So that's that's for sure sure. Um, You mentioned Um, that you're a handyman before That's a very important skill to have. I know both my grandfathers were carpenters one of them's passed now But I still have a lot of handy people in my family. That's a very good skill to have That's great that you could help out your girlfriend's spa and save her some money as well that's that's perfect,
3: perfect. yeah for sure you, you gotta know how to do a little, little bit of plumbing a little bit of uh uh assembling there's uh it, some sometime it might not be just ikea furniture sometimes you might have to go and build something so it's it's i'm not afraid to make mistakes and i think that's one thing about about what i did is a lot of people look at NHL players as they never make mistakes. But they gotta understand that they've made millions and millions of mistakes. Yeah, they're people too. people too. So even in real life, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody does. It's how you deal with that mistake, whether you come up with a solution for it or you learn from it. That that is that is the biggest lesson. And and the the, the game of hockey you have to understand it's a silly game that we play there's five guys on each side that are chasing around this little this little rubber thing we call a puck and the whole objective there there are five guys coming from different backgrounds and you're taking instructions by the coach which you could say is your boss and you have to collectively come together to put that little puck into a net that has this guy standing in it with with pillows for pads. And it's, it's a silly game that we play. But if you look at it from, it, it teaches you real life experiences. It teaches you working together with other peoples from, from other backgrounds not getting upset with the boss and, and basically looking at, okay, this is what he said. Let's come up with a solution of how to go and put that in, in that net, right? For the common goal. So the sports, a lot of parents are so concentrated on getting their kids to the NHL, but the odds of them making it Mm -hmm. are pretty slim. slim, but somebody has to, somebody has to, right? So why can't it be them? But if they're able to go and, 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 and explain to them that every little thing that happens in the game of hockey, you have to go and relate it to real life because it does teach you a lot of amazing things. I've learned so much from, from the, the game of hockey uh, that has really changed my outlook on life.
1: That's for sure That's too. For Even too. Even myself, myself like personally playing growing, playing growing up, growing up minor, minor hockey, hockey. Um, I learned so many valuable so many skills. skills. I played hockey for minor hockey for 15 years. And I feel like it definitely shaped me as a person as well. And I know Joe and Thomas have also played sports growing up and hockey as well. Um, no, for sure. Responsibility.
3: Yeah, uh, it teaches you everything. Working on time, working together with other people, and being goal driven, right? You're not going to go and and uh play us play hockey it, it's a goal sure it's a little bit aggressive yeah but the thing is sometimes in life you have to be aggressive and, and you have to be aggressive to get what you want right
1: right uh one um, last question that i have for you, for you. It's a bit of a silly, a of a silly one. one. I, heard, I that heard that you purchased a house in Toronto, Toronto when you retired from the NHL. NHL. And when you first moved in, you had ghosts and spirits? Is that true? Can you confirm that?
3: Uh, where are you where are you getting this info? Is that is that not true? Well, there there was there was one <laughs> that, I I believe <laughs> okay, I believe that there there's a there's somewhere else that we go after this. Yeah For sure. I completely, I, agree, I, with
1: completely you. agree with you
3: because it would be scary if there wasn't <laughs> But so I, I believe that there's something after and I believe that we are spirits in in bodies for sure um, But yeah, like it was kind of freaky. Uh, I remember Well, there was there was two situations my first we rented a place it was, um, it, it was in Etobicoke, and I remember my, would have been my daughter, or is it my son? I can't remember which one it was at the time, but it was, they were in the crib, and it was fine for the first couple nights, and then all of a sudden uh, my, well I think it was my daughter, threw herself out of the crib. Threw herself out of the crib, because she was so scared at night, crazy scared. And it went like that every single night. Mm-hmm. Like for them to throw themselves out of the crib, it must be crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, we ended up calling somebody because we didn't know what else, what else it was. Because so we ended up, somebody was saying that we had some sort of a shapeshifter in there.
1: Whoa. That's so, which was that's crazy.
3: <laughs> it was freaky. But the freaky part about this is that they ended up doing something and they're like, yes, we cleared it. The next night, a daughter was in there. S- slept through the night. Hmm. Same thing. Never again. It ever happened. So, if somebody doesn't believe in 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 ghosts, that is kind of a freaky story for that. <laughs> that that's, is freaky. That's crazy. And that's crazy. And, and, it, and it's obviously a baby that you know. And a lot of they say youth youth kids are 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 more open to the uh, spirits and everything because. Yeah. yeah. They haven't been told that they don't exist, right? It's right. kind of like the world goes and and yeah, you're kind of more open. Mm-hmm. I've
1: all, I've so. also heard uh, dogs are very prone to it as well. Like I know there's been times where I've been at like a friend's house and the dogs just barking at, at nothing in the house or in the room. I mean, that's that's crazy. So what did you that's end not, up doing? To did you like get rid of them? Did you just move houses or what? You what did you end no, up doing?
3: No. Well, we ended up just calling somebody. And they ended up clearing the room they didn't even have to I don't think they did they come to the house I can remember if they came to the house or not hmm. but hmm. yeah interesting it's crazy interesting. yeah pretty freaky
2: pretty story there, <laughs> there.
3: <laughs> yeah I, where'd you where'd you hear that uh, uh wait why are you are you, upset oh, I, I, you I don't even know if I even posted I might have I don't oh,
1: know oh no I saw it I did my I digging, I, I did do. my <laughs> research on you. Yeah, you,
3: you, did, you did a great job, you guys did a great <laughs> summary of uh, of, of what, what my accomplishments and what I did, so it was pretty good.
1: Yeah, thank you for doing this, for doing we, really this. we really appreciate it. it. Yeah, I yeah. Yeah, really
3: yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah,
2: thanks Mike, we really appreciate it. We love the stories that you told and your insight and of course how you started like defense first and coached them, like how you kind of did on the side and then your web design, like you kind of... It's cool that you had like an understanding that given like your height and your capabilities, you kind of realized that, hey, this is not going to be my career forever. I got to have my education. So I think it's a really good message for those that are thinking about doing like the college route. So it's uh, really thank you for
3: doing that. No problem, guys. Anything anything you need, you let me know.
0: Yeah, it seems like you're a Swiss Army knife. Like You do handy stuff. You do ghost patrol. You play in the NHL. You do the coaching. And so, yeah, we really thank you for coming on. And, yeah, maybe we can have you on in the future another time. So we thank you a lot, uh, Mr. Mike Weaver.
3: Oh, for sure. For sure. I'll, I'll give you uh, Tom Christopoulos' number. You could call him up, too. Oh, sure. <laughs> thank you. That'd be great, That'd be honestly. Be
1: honest. Yeah. yeah.
3: Um, Alright, well, right. I think that's all we got though we for, got today. for today. Yeah. Awesome. Well thank you for having me, guys. No problem. It was a pleasure.
0: Anytime. Right. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. All right, big thanks to Mike Weaver for coming on the N10 Fuck Talk Podcast. Obviously, one of our actually our biggest guests ever on N10. So we thank him a lot for taking his time out of his day. I'm sure he was doing nothing, but we did we thank him for that as well. Mm-hmm. So any anything you have to say about uh, what he said during the interview, guys?
1: Well it was a it was a great interview, I think. It was by far our our biggest guest, like you said, and probably our most entertaining interview with a guest that we've had so thank you Mike for that for taking the time Uh, I know it's kind of tough times right now so we're we're pumping out uh some special content for the fans
2: yeah it was such a great interview with Mike and it was very enjoyable to listen to him talk he speaks very well and it was just great that he took time out of his day to dedicate time to our podcast
0: yeah yeah, that's very thankful for him and there's no knock against the other guests we've had they're all matthew's been great steven's been great and all the people who sent in clips for the trade deadline that have been great as well but just a former nhl player when you see that in your catalog it's pretty incredible so we thank mike for coming on he told some funny stories he uh told them about his career so Flagger did a lot of uh, digging for the, all these questions, and uh, yeah, so thanks, Fleger, for doing that. Thanks for reaching out to him.
1: No problem.
0: And uh, we hopefully we can get a good old Thomas Shabbat to come on
3: here soon. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't That'd know. be nice.
3: Has he even read it?
1: No. Ah. I, I actually don't know. I haven't looked. Okay, well, sneak peek on
0: that. If we get him, don't be surprised. All right, boys? Yeah. Yeah, but anything going on uh, outside of this interview? Anything article-wise? Anything? I don't know what are you you guys doing on your free time like
1: uh i actually i ended up writing an article this week about what i think the nhl should do for like a a playoff so basically what i suggest in the article is they should host like this round robin tournament um in each division to see who will qualify for the playoffs and then run the playoffs as usual Mm -hmm. um moving like after that tournament but I suggested shortening the seven-game series to either, like, best of three or best of five. Probably best of three would be the best to make it go the quickest and to end the season the quickest. Uh, So, anyways, I wrote, like, a lot more detail in my article, so go check that out on the website. I don't even think it's up as of right now as we're speaking, but by the time people actually hear this podcast, it'll be up for sure.
2: Yeah, me and Thomas um, collaborated on a twenty thirteen redraft article, and um, we just released picks thirty to sixteen. And then next week or this upcoming week, we're going to do picks fifteen to one.
0: Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, the, the top five shouldn't be should be any different from what it was in twenty thirteen because all those guys are pretty damn good. But some changes in between there. The there's been a lot of changes from thirty to sixteen. So. Yeah, if you haven't read that, read, read that right now. It's out on TheBreakdownSports.com. So anything else to add, boys, before we end the episode? I know it's been a long one, but a great interview by for Mike Weaver. Stay safe and wash your hands.
1: Yeah. I was joking on Twitter earlier this week. I saw that the KHL canceled all uh, like game operations, and I was joking, like saying that, you know, shit's getting serious when the KHL cancels their season.
0: Yeah, literally, because they're a hard.
1: They're a hardcore league.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they they were the ones who kept going when everyone else canceled around the globe in all sports. So that, that was pretty. That was pretty jokes when you find that out. Yeah, that's pretty jokes. All right, that's it. We did the big interview with Mike Weaver. So thank you for that once again. And ten, we'll be back next Saturday. Join us. Woo!